2: My name is Emma Mumford and I'm your host. I'm an award-winning blogger, YouTuber, life coach, badass entrepreneur, manifester and author. My mission is to awaken and to inspire women to live their best lives now and to find their purpose in life. I do this through sharing the power of law of attraction and spirituality. I hope my podcast will inspire you to raise your game and to start living your best life today. Without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode so thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my spiritual queens badass podcast episodes i am super excited to have you here and also super excited to have rob moore with us today so rob if you don't know is one of the uk's top non-fiction authors with eight published books he became a millionaire at 30 having been an artist fifty thousand pounds in debt five years before He built the UK's largest property training company, Progressive Property, and has also broke three public speaking world records as an international keynote speaker. Rob is an entrepreneur, investor, speaker, and podcast host of The Disruptive Entrepreneur. So thank you so much, Rob, for being here today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Emma.
2: My pleasure. So one question that I always ask everybody who comes on the podcast its the first question is when did you spiritually awaken what's your story so you've already said that you don't necessarily talk about spirituality so are you spiritual
1: um right i think awakened is a very strong word so would i say that i'm spiritually awakened i'd have to say no emma um because i think that all life business entrepreneurship spirituality i believe it's a journey and not a destination and awakened assumes a destination. So Mm -hmm. I know that 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 word awakened, you know, I guess has the connotations of being spiritual. Um, But what is the destination and what is being spiritual? You know, I remember the first study I ever did of spirituality was Deepak Chopra when I read his seven spiritual laws of success in what, 2006? So if I'm quite careful with language. I think language is important. So Mm -hmm. I was spiritually opened in 2006, i.e. that was the year that I learned what spirituality was. And I didn't just think it was, say, religion, which I might have done when I was young uh, and more naive. Um, I don't think many people who follow me and know me would call me an awakened entrepreneur. But I think what people don't know about me is I, I do believe in spirit, but I think I don't see spirituality as a, a one sided, awakened being who is non material, who, who has faith in the universe, is a, a, a beer more than a doer, like the stereotypes might suggest. Mm. I think it's really hard to stereotype what a spiritual person is. Um, and I think, actually, I see a lot of spiritual people on forums having a go and bashing everyone who's not spiritual and having a pop at people who are material. And I think to myself, well, isn't that a bit hip- hypocritical? Aren't, the, aren't When you're spiritual, aren't you supposed to be more open-minded, understand that everyone has a unique set of values, understand that, you know, we're all worthy of love, um, understand that kindness... Um, and an open-mindedness and growth and connection, you know, these are some of the, the um, values or the ethics we, want, we might want to live by. Um, so I'm going to put one flag in the ground of what I believe could define spirituality. And then I'll take your lead, Emma, from there. So, so one of my mentors, Dr. John Demartini, who's a, a genius in, in my opinion, He quotes someone. Now, I forget who the quote he quoted, so I quote him. And and it is that spirit without matter is motionless. And matter without spirit is expressionless.
2: Hmm. So
1: let me say that again. Spirit without matter is motionless. Matter without spirit is expressionless. And that was profound when I first heard that quote. And I really considered it. So what I think it means is, if how do we define spirit? The human soul, the ethereal, the intangible, love, gratitude, the unified field, connection to the universe, connection to each other, what can't be seen, what can be felt, what can be uh, the, the intuitive side of human nature. All of these things could be classed as spirit. Emotion expression the human expression this could all be deemed as spiritual and i would say i've got some connection to that because i would say every human being is i'm definitely an expression expressionate guy um, i'm a ranter i am i'm emotional so I'm, I'm definitely spiritual in that sense um so if, if we could define the spirit as the sorry yeah spiritual as the human spirit what the thing that can't be seen well, without material form, without matter, spirit is, it, it, ca- it cannot move. Um, it, it, it's expression, it's, it's motionless and expressionless without material form. So a lot of people, what they do, try and do is separate spirit and matter from a, a physics point of view. You know, it, someone is spiritual if they are not materialistic, or if they're materialistic, they're not spiritual but i believe that spirit exists in all matter if spirit didn't exist in matter it would be a rock that can't move and has no it's just a, a lump of form but someone could, a ferrari has great spirit in it it has human values it has human emotion a patek philippe a beautiful watch has great spirit in it, it has generations of watchmaking and skill so for me the spiritual and the material can't be separated and to separate it I think is missing the point of what spirit is Mm. so yeah um I would say I'm spiritually open-minded um one thing I'd like to get better at Emma is I'd like to get better at manifestation Mm -hmm. because what I believe I'm pretty good at is Hustling away and working harder than the next person, and I'm I'm committed and focused to my mission, which is to help as many people on the planet get better financial education. And I, and, and I feel my value is in my my graft, a bit of leverage too, and some contacts. But I I don't think I've yet really fully grasped. I've only scratched the surface of manifestation of the law of least effort, as Deepak Chopra calls it. Mm. Um, you know, of allowing. Me as opposed to going to get them. And and that's the part of life I think I'd like to explore more thoroughly with humility. Um and and, yeah, and try and manifest with a bit less effort.
2: (laughs) Well, you've come on the right podcast. Law of attraction is all what I'm about. So (laughs) you've come to the right place. But I definitely agree with what you're saying there. Of that is the beauty of spirituality, that it is so unique and beautiful to the individual that no matter whether you class yourself as spiritual AF or, you know, spiritually open, like you've said that there are so many beautiful different ways and all of them are so valid, like you say, in a great way. And that's why, you know, the podcast called Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast, because, you know, I think being spiritual is badass because you can make it your own, you know, you can make it what you truly believe, explore what you want to. And it's your journey. Like you say, at the end of the day, it's not all of us going along the same journey. It's, your journey, your sort of openness, awakening. So I love what you said there. So true. So you're known. Emma, can I ask,
1: sorry to jump in, might be a bit cheeky this early, but can I ask what your definition of spirituality is? Because this is a journey I've been on for 15 years, but it's always been in the undercurrent. Like for me, material form, you know, getting world records, making millions, building businesses, writing books, doing podcasts, being, you know, what people describe as an influencer, that I feel uncomfortable with that word. You know, the, the, the hustle, the chase, sometimes leveraged. I mean, I have 95 staff. I usually work from home. But spirituality has always been there. The, the sense of, I mean, I do incantations every night in my mind before I go to bed. Um, I have this um, phrase, which I call, for, uh, I originally got the script from Think and Grow Rich, I command the power of my subconscious mind from the infinite laws of the universe to attract into my life. And then I put in the things I'm grateful for, the things I want to attract, the things I want to manifest, whether they're problems I'm trying to, I guess, meditate on and solve or achievements or growth or progress or um, people I want to attract in. So it's always been there as like an undercurrent. And it's something I rarely talk about. But I I don't really know what the definition of spirituality is. And I'm in the right place on the Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast. What's your (laughs) definition of spirituality?
2: Oh, good one. Well, I don't think there's a correct answer to this. Definitely not. I don't think any person can sit here and say, I know the exact meaning of spirituality. But I think for myself going along, you know, since my spiritual awakening four years ago, It was that pivotal moment of rock bottom for me where I was depressed, I wanted to commit suicide, and I was like, there has to be more to life than this. So for me personally, spirituality has almost been returning to that oneness, I really believe that it is, you know, remembering we are all one, you know, the separation and all of this, you know, it doesn't exist as such, we return to that oneness, whether that's God to someone, whether that's universe, whether that's even just your higher self, you know, you can create, you can, you know, obviously address whatever feels comfortable to you. But I think for myself, definitely, you know, being spiritual, even spiritual queen, is about being authentic. It's about you know, you doing things that make you happy in life. It's about returning to that oneness, you know, expressing love in all areas of your life and feeling love within yourself. Um, So yeah, I think that's the short description of what I would say.
1: Great, thank you.
2: (laughs) So you are known as a disruptive entrepreneur. So what does it mean to you to be a disruptive entrepreneur?
1: Uh, To me, to be a disruptive entrepreneur is to Um, challenge the status quo, question what is perceived to be normal. It is to look for areas where there can be improvements and accelerated growth or solutions to humanity. It is to disrupt yourself and never stay comfortable and complacent. Uh, It is to pursue a mission with energy and passion and enthusiasm uh, to accepting resistance and criticism that comes along the way and still driving forward to your mission. Um, It is to make a difference. It is to matter. Uh, It is to be somewhat contrarian, to occasionally break the rules where possible as long as it's of course ethical. Um, And it is to to leave a mark and to matter and to make a difference and um, to leave something behind greater than you.
2: Mm. I love that. I love that definition. So one question I've been eager to ask since I've read your bio is I didn't actually realise that you used to be an artist. So do you still do that?
1: Well, this is the thing. It's funny that most people see me more as as entrepreneurial or capitalist, but I have got quite a creative streak. I love music. I love art. I used to write poetry. Quite, I mean, my, my art and poetry was a little bit depressive, but it was very expressive. Um, because it was that was the stage of my life that I was in where I was struggling a bit um I, I haven't I've done one series of art for when we bought um one of our offices and I did the art for the offices um but no i, I haven't done art well i mean when did I sort of retire as an artist fifteen years ago two thousand and 5, 05, six fi Um, I I definitely feel a strong creative surge that comes through me. This might be spirituality, actually, Emma, because we've not really used the word creative yet. Mm. But I suppose to be creative is the human spirit coming through idea into decision, into action, into creation. Um, So a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm not creative. Or, you know, some people are very creative and expressive. But we're all creative because we're all creating all the time. Um, an intention is creative. Ideation is creative. Um, I suppose it's just whether we label ourselves, label ourselves creative or not, but you know, you don't have to be an artist to be creative. Uh, I believe I was pretty creative through the lockdown to change my business model into online courses. I believe solving problems is creative. Um, I believe, you know, doing live feeds and podcasts where you're, you you share information that's just a bit different from the usual scene. Um, I think that's creative. I think any solution to a meaningful problem is creative. So Mm -hmm. I haven't done art really since except that one series. And I got paid handsomely for that by my company, by the way. (laughs) That was where I failed as an artist when I was um, in my 20s is I never got paid for it because I had a, this is probably where I was quite anti-capitalist to the, because I think you can, if you take spirituality too much to the extreme, where you go through vagabonding and you're an anti-capitalist and um, you know, you're anti-material, I think you lose one element of spirituality. Because uh, let me give you an example. Let's say you're a, um, a videographer and you make film. I would ask anyone listening, do you think having a really good camera would, would create better art for you? I guess the answer would probably be yes. What about brilliant microphones? What about great lenses? And lenses are really expensive. What about being able to travel to the best locations in the world to get the best shots? Uh, All of those things would age your art. And all of those things are very expensive. And I used to create art with relatively cheap materials. And had I had more expensive materials, um, I reckon that I I could have created better art. So actually the material, the capital, is very much linked to the spiritual because you can create better spirit and art with finer items. Um, Or there's an argument that you can. You don't have to because you can be creative, of course, with um, a, a lower budget, if you like. Um, so really, a long way to answer your question, Emma, is that um, I never intended to stop art. I just intended to do art evenings and weekends and through the night, because I used to listen to do my art at two in the morning, listening to heavy metal anyway, um, or Radiohead or something very cheery like that, because I used to sort of fuel my depression through music and, and, and poetry. Um, uh, but because I succeeded in business, because I suppose I channeled a lot of my creativity through that. I didn't have to paint again and and my creative urges are getting met. So I've just never really, I was going to say pick up a paintbrush, but I didn't really that paint that much. It was all installation or contemporary or modern. I used to paint with stamps and jelly beans, used to make all big pieces of art, um, you know, with, with, again, I suppose I was quite disruptive then. I always wanted to be different. I wanted to stand out. I didn't want to fit in. I guess that's what's also being disruptive.
2: Mm, Definitely. And you're so right. Creativeness can be expressed in so many different ways. Like I've always been a naturally creative person. I used to love dancing, singing, acting, all those sorts of things. And I feel like that was sort of preparing me almost for this now where I have to stand on a stage and speak to people, although I'm you know, sharing my message and story as such is a bit different. Um, definitely you know i've brought my creativeness into every business i've done even my couponing business i had before this i love designing images i loved you know doing videos and creating things for youtube so you're so right that that creativeness never leaves and that you know we are always co-creating with the universe source god etc to to manifest to you know create and shape our lives exactly so we know this isn't your first business so how many businesses have you had over the years and What was your favorite one? I'm going to chuck that in as a bonus question.
1: Okay. So I worked from the age of six. Um, My dad would get me working in his pub, bottling up and tidying up the pub afterwards and emptying the fruit machine of the coins and the pool table of the coins and counting them up and bagging them up. And I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. So I think my, my, my enjoyment of work, and there's this very cliche saying, but sometimes cliches are there for a reason because they're true. Um, and that is if you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. Um, and I go through these periods of working hard and I go through these periods of being more leveraged and traveling a lot. Um, but I love work. W- w- if the societal definition of work, which is, you know, a job or you're, you're an entrepreneur. So I've, I've always been working. I always worked every summer holidays, even as a young kid, I worked at summer holidays. Um, my first I went to our university and got a degree in architecture, but actually that sounds better than it is. I I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't for me. I only stayed there because I didn't want to be seen as a failure. Um, And then I went and worked in my mum and dad's pub. And I suppose my first proper business was I was the landlord of that pub. But I was really just sort of um, guardianing it for my mum and dad.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
1: um, then my art being an artist was my first proper business uh, and that was what 2002 2003 and I always say I failed at it I didn't fail at the creation of art I failed at the commercialization of art you know I, I just wasn't very good at the capital the commercial element I didn't want to charge much for it because I thought that how do you measure what art is even though Tracy Emin and Damien Hurst would do very contemporary pieces and charge millions for it. I didn't want to feel greedy, I didn't want anyone to feel I was trying to take advantage of anyone. I didn't like the marketing, I didn't want to go to the galleries, I didn't like all the negotiation, talking to agents. But that's all part of being an artist. If you want to be a successful artist and you want, you want to be able to fuel your passion and creativity and have the best materials and go to the best places to do the best art, then you need the capital to do that. And so that's where I failed as an artist on the commercial side. Um, a gallery owner of mine had been trying to get me into property for about two years. I dismissed it because I was so I was so anti-capitalist. he used to list the rage against the machine, you know, very um, anti-capitalism um, in the political sense. Even though I had no idea about the systems really. Um, but uh, my dad had a, a massive nervous breakdown in his pub in two thousand and five on December the fifteenth in front of all of his customers and me, and my mum and my sister. Um, he got sectioned. He got beaten up by the police. He got uh, arrested um, and this was 2005, so this was 15, 16 years ago. And it was our first experience of my dad's bipolar um, or manic depression, as it's also known. Um, and I've I never really seen this, Emma, as a spiritual awakening as such, but it could have been. It, it was my pivotal moment. You know, people sometimes in their life have a transformational moment. I was on my podcast with Richard Koch, who's worth $445 million, and he wrote Unreasonable Success. And he said, one of the nine traits of unreasonably successful people is they all had a transformational event in their life, something that happened. And it didn't have to be a death, but a transformational event, which, which changed the course of their life and their direction. And for mine, it was December the 15th, 2005. So you, you could argue there was quite a spiritual element to that because it, awoke, it, it, did, it did awaken me to business and success and e- effort and, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, Um, then I set up, uh, essentially, my own property investing business. After that, we set up a property deal sourcing business. After that, we set up a property training business. After that, we set up a letting agency. After that, we set up a um, non-property, so a business training company. Um, And so I have what, I have multiple companies now. Um, And they're all the businesses I've had. And most of them I still have.
2: Amazing. So which one would you say is the most fun? Where do you have the most fun or is it all of them? (laughs)
1: um, Probably the training businesses. So um, certainly the businesses where I get to teach and express um, and help others. They're probably my favorite businesses. I mean, property is great because you have an asset and it can produce residual income. You write a book. I mean, I just got a, a hefty five figure royalty sum. This week for one of my books, I'm Worth More. That's nice to have the residual income. But in truth, where I get to express myself and be the most creative and therefore probably the most fun is where I teach, I train, I educate. So I guess expressing my passions is where I'm most uh, in flow, empowered.
2: Mm, I love that. So, what are your top tips then for anybody wanting to start their own wellness business?
1: Uh, well, I think the first thing is you 've got to understand what your values are, so what is most important to you in your life? because um, you 'll experience great tension and resistance and internal conflict if you are doing something that that a friend, a family member, or society has imposed upon you that you should do and you 're subordinating to that. whereas if you express yourself through your highest values and you create a compelling vision uh, and a mission which is the um, the practical and strategic delivery of that vision, you will be naturally empowered inspired motivated you 'll have your challenges, of course, and you 'll have your ups and downs because that 's being a human being um, so you 've got to know what your niche is therefore you know what you 're most confident in expressing and helping others. Um, you know for me, I only ever talk about things that I, I feel I, I know well and, and I could be challenged on and I feel comfortable with, which is why you know, I've shown you my limit of spirituality and I express straight off the bat that I wouldn't deem myself as spiritually awakened per se. Um, so if someone wants to start their wellness business, vision, sorry, values, vision, mission, and then you've got to put yourself out there and find your clients. Now, one thing I do see a lot, and I'm going to make a generalization, but it's a, it's a kind one, not a cruel one. But if I were to say, One main area in the spiritual world of business where people who are very spiritual or in wellness where they struggle with this is the capital element. You know, the profit element, the making money element, the charging element, the fair exchange element. So that would definitely be another area. If you're spiritual or into wellness, you've got to find a way of making profit. Now, I love a concept of fair exchange, and this really helps people who struggle with capital and capitalism and, you know, the profit motive. They think somehow it's bad, but the selfish and the selfless must be, it must be equally expressed. If, the, if your selfish is expressed, society will um, reject you and stand against you. Whereas if, if, um, the, if, it's the, if it's selfless, all selfless, you'll self-negate. You won't make profit. Um, you'll become resentful of society, of your clients, etc. So fair exchange would be where you make a fair profit margin, 10% on high volume, 30% or more on lower volume, um, and you are grateful to the client for the work, i.e. you're not resenting them because you're undercharging. And the client is grateful for you because you give good service and they perceive good value. So you give good service and you make fair profit. They pay a fair fee and they get good value. Then you have fair exchange. An unfair exchange at either extreme is charge too much, charge not enough, give too much away, give not enough away. That's when you're out of balance. Mm. And, you know, something I see, because I've trained hundreds of thousands of people. That's just a fact. It's not a brag. It's a fact. And I see a lot of people undercharging. Of course, I see a lot of people overcharging as well. Um, and, And certainly in the wellness business, some people find that hard
2: absolutely and this is funnily enough what inspired my book that's coming out in june of the relationship with wealth and money in the spiritual sphere of there are a lot of spiritual people who they either don't connect to money they see it as evil Or like you say, sometimes it can come down to worth, absolutely. But sometimes it can be the alignment aspect, so many different aspects. And it's about having full alignment and it feeling good. Because when you feel good with your pricing, with how you're marketing things, etc., that energy is going to reflect off to your clients. They're going to think, yes, this feels good. Whereas, you know, I've seen it where people have maybe even been overcharging and they've been so scared to post those prices because someone told them to have those prices that... Their clients, they're not energetically being attracted to them. They're kind of repelling as well. So the, you know, it's definitely about alignment and feeling good with it. Absolutely. Can so I just um, jump,
1: Emma, because you've course. made a couple of really good points, and I don't want your audience to lose those points. First thing is you said energy, and I believe that money is energy. Um, I, you know, I believe it. Um, money is spirit transformed into whatever we perceive money to be. Uh, the word currency is from the Latin "currere," which means flow. So the purpose, you know, money has to flow to achieve its purpose. Now, people have a problem with money, whether it's guilt or shame, or they believe it's greed or power or judgment or whatever. Um, they have that when they don't understand what money is. And when people project human values and ethics and morals onto money, that's when money loses its form. So I wrote a book called Money, and um, through my research from economics and you know, getting myself out of 50 grams worth of debt and becoming a millionaire before age 31 and studying so many billionaires and multimillionaires and 100 millionaires, I have found that money has a few definitions. One is a universal exchange of value. Another one is a unit of account. Another one is a measure of worth. Another is a hedge or store against an uncertain future. What it isn't is greed, or guilt, or shame, or power. That's that not what money is. They are human emotions imposed upon, projected onto money. So when people take away the human projection of morals and values and ethics, which are all individual, by the way, or societal, um, and just understand what money is, then you can actually use it in its pure form and function. So
2: Absolutely. You know,
1: your relationship with money is your own values and morals and ethics and they often come from significant emotional events or your upbringing from your parents
2: definitely definitely and you know it's like whether you want to manifest a thousand puppies or a thousand pounds you know the universe sees it as the same like you say it's that energy and you know those stories and beliefs that we put onto money absolutely so what are your top tips then for anybody listening who wants to start their own podcast
1: okay so the first thing is you need a concept. Now, you could have a how-to podcast. Uh, you could have a, po- a fiction podcast. You could have a podcast that's just, you know, the, the Emma Mumford show. You could just build it around your name if you wanted. But you need a concept. Um, now, I think it's nice to have a relatively unique concept, but I don't think you need to be so unique. I think you could be a hybrid. Um, I think there aren't that many new ideas. There's just a lot of new specialised, super specialised, hyper specialised or hybridised ideas. So my podcast is quite original because it's probably the only podcast on the planet that does interviews on a Monday, rants on a Wednesday, and caffeine casts on a Friday. Um, But I wasn't the first person to rant. I wasn't the first person to do an interview. Um, So I've created a hybridized, unique podcast. So what is your unique concept? um, Which might borrow different elements that inspire you. The concept is the most important thing um, because a good, strong concept, um, like Spiritual Queen's badass, that's a really good concept. It it, it has a a strong leaning and a strong meaning. It does what it says on the tin. It's clear who it's trying to attract. So, you know, a a great concept. The next thing is expressing yourself. I mean, I find the words of um, integrity and authenticity. um, And, you know, when people say just be yourself, I do struggle with those concepts because I think there's a push pull tension between being who you are and trying to self-actualize and grow and, and, and having progress. But if you express what you feel comfortable with, if you express what inspires you, um, if you express what makes you come alive and gets you in flow, then you're onto a winner. So I've just looked at the clock, Emma, and it's one thirty-seven, And these 37 min- minutes have felt like five minutes which means that I'm in flow, which means I'm inspired to do this. And I want to thank you for allowing me to be there. So I'm clearly doing the right thing. Whereas if I was like looking at my watch or, oh man, when's she going to, when are we going to get on with this? You know, like uh, why am I doing this? Then of course I'm in the wrong concept completely. Um, The next thing then is to deliver your content. Uh, Now I like to repurpose content because I feel like it's worthy of my time. So I usually get paid £10,000 to speak, whether it's 45 or 90 minutes. So to do a podcast for 45 or 90 minutes and not get my fee, um, there there may be some resentment that builds there. Of course, when I first started, I would start for free. Um, But I want to feel fair exchange. So um, if I, for example, I've got a Zoom H1 here and I'm recording this. I've got the little clip on mic. I don't know if you can see it. So I might be able to post this on my podcast. So I get to turn your content into mine. Emma wins as well because her podcast will get shout out on a good show. I'm also live feeding it to my Facebook page. So right now I could have a podcast on Emma's show, a podcast on my show and a live video. And even my outsourcers could take this live video and put it onto YouTube or put it onto Instagram TV, take an excerpt for LinkedIn and some excerpts for Instagram. Now, all of a sudden, my podcast isn't just a podcast, it's five or six or seven pieces of information. So I'm feeling like this is a great use of time. I should be doing loads of these. In fact, I've got another one at three o'clock and then I've got another one at eight o'clock. So I am doing loads of these. So, you know, being inspired and committed to share your content. Um, The next thing is the practical element of hosting and syndicating, you know, and editing and show notes and all of that. Now, I have a podcast agency. If anyone wants any help, you can find me, Rob Moore, on social media. Um, Personally, I'm not inspired or energized or enthused to do that because it gets in the way of expressing my content. So I have outsourcers and I have an agency that does that for me. Um, If you like to, you know, edit and you're a bit techie and geeky, of course, in my projection, um, then fire away. But I don't think anything should get in the way of your message on a podcast. Your message is the most important thing. And then finally, it's the marketing of it. So, um, I offered to live this out so that I get to market myself to more people. And Emma agreed because she gets, um, you know, her podcast is called spiritual Queens badass podcast. So she gets more reach from, um, it being lived out to my page. So the marketing of the podcast is the final piece in the puzzle. Now, again, remember I said the creatives, the wellness and the spiritual people, if I'm going to make a generalization, which I don't like to do, but if I am to do that, the marketing is their least you know, oh, well, the universe will look after me. The universe will market my podcast up to the world. No, <laughs> I, I know that there's an attractive element. And if you do great work, you'll have great things come to you. But if you post regularly and you put links out regularly and you go into Facebook groups and talk about your podcast and you interview really good people, then you will get a wider spread of marketing
2: absolutely it's all about that inspired action if you want to be a millionaire you can't sit on your bum on the sofa all day definitely <laughs> so my last question to you then today is what is one piece of life advice that you would like to give my listeners
1: oh. hmm. right I've, I'm going to give two because I like to be disruptive um I, I don't life advice is I, I, that immediately makes me want to humbleize myself because I, I, I'm not the oldest and most wise person in the world. And I get a lot of life advice of mine from, you know, mentors like John Demartini. Um, but I think two things I could say with real volition are actually two quotes I'm probably the most known for. So one of them is a title of one of my books and it's called start now, get perfect later. Start now, get perfect later. Um, I think that um, a lot of people have procrastination. They have fear. They have the worry about being exposed, making mistakes. They have the curse of perfectionism. And there's so many things they'd love to do in life that they just don't make that first step You practice, the non-judgment that you want to practice. Um, Just start now, start now. Read five pages of a book if you want to start reading. Um, If you want to create a course, then get the PowerPoint open and do the first five slides. If you want to start putting your work out there, do a five-minute video or, even better, a live. Um, So start now, get perfect later. Done is better than perfect. And then the second one is the quote I'm the most known for, and that is, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. And I believe if you're too comfortable, comfort is the enemy of greatness. I believe that the the biggest risks are doing nothing at all. Um, And I believe you'll regret more what you haven't done than what you have. So I don't think you take massive risks. I think you should get comfortably and progressively uncomfortable. But if in doubt, try it out.
2: Amen to them. Love, love, love those tips. Thank you so much. So where can my lovely listeners find you if they want to learn more about your work?
1: Uh, My podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Um, And you can follow me anywhere by searching my name, Rob Moore. Uh, I have a supporter program and I'm active on Facebook and my YouTube channel, Rob Moore, um, et cetera. You could just, you know, all my books, there's 15 books I think I've written now. I have Opportunity, my 16th coming out soon. So you just search my name, you'll find me.
2: Well, thank you so much, Rob, for coming on. It has been such a pleasure interviewing you today and learning all your pearls of wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure, Emma, and thank you, everyone. So thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my podcast episodes. I hope you've enjoyed Rob and I's conversation today. So as always, you can find a clickable link to Rob's website in the description box down below. And if you want to learn anything more about myself, my coaching or anything else I have to offer, like my videos, etc., you can find it all on my website, emmamumford.co.uk. So thank you so much guys for listening. I appreciate all your views and listens. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new here because I would love, love to see you again soon. And don't forget you can join my free Law of Attraction support group over on Facebook where you can join myself and other like-minded souls where we talk all things Law of Attraction and spirituality. I hope you have a lovely week, whatever you are up to, and I'll see you all in my next podcast episode, which will be next week. Lots of love, guys.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.